Hello everybody, this is Miriam Thiel-Alberts, I'm your host and you're listening to Animal Wisdom Stories and I'm very excited because today we have a lovely guest, Lisa Walters, all the way from Northern California. Lisa is an, as a quiet assisted learning facilitator, but not only just that, she's a writer and she's part of a research team uh, for the last 13 years, I believe, since 2006. And uh, we will talk to her and find out how horses can help people heal. So here you are. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Miriam. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's nice here in Northern California. We finally have gotten all the rain we need. And, uh, you know, first we had the fires and now we've got the rain. And now we've got more than enough rain. So we're all feeling, we're, nobody's complaining, but everybody's feeling satiated with the rain. It's, okay. I don't know, you probably don't hear all that, but it's just been an amazing amount of water here. Okay. So I'm good. Everybody is good here. Very good. Yeah. Um, as usual, um, first of all, I want to, to thank Paul Luftenegger for the lovely music, the intro music. and. Um, as every time I have an animal wisdom message and this time I connected with your beautiful horse, your beautiful white 17 year old horse. Is it Opalo? Is that how yes, you say it? Exactly. Perfect. Opalo. And he's a, a Andalusian horse. And I connected with Opalo and I asked him, what would you like to share with us today? And I could sense that he wanted to share so many things with us today. He was just getting ready for a big lecture or a big sort of uh, presentation. And I just had to stop him there uh, so that he could just tell us a little message. And this is what he said. He selected a little message for us. Um, Opala said, when you realize how beautiful you are and that you're made of pure love, you will be free and able to do whatever you desire. Love is the key to happiness, manifestations and connections. Please take five minutes today to love something or somebody. Love connects us all with each other and with the universe. It is the beginning and the end to everything. This is Opal. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. God, that's so sweet. Beautiful. And it is really befitting of our, you know, what we want to talk about as well. That um, these horses who live in this um, field of all connectivity, as everyone knows who's, who's connected to horses, they, that they are masters at interconnecting in social relationships and their environments and everything that goes on around them. They're, they're tied into it all. And um, I think that if we look at all of that as a continuum of, of energy that is all contained in what we might call love, like universal right. love, or if you're a scientist, you might call it the unified field or field of all possibility, or you know, there's all kinds of names for it. But the way I like to think of it is that um, these animals stay, you know, they're here resonating. If everything is light and everything is energy moving around, they're vibrating in a form that's called horse. Mm -hmm. And we're vibrating in a form that's called human. And everything else in our environment that we experience is 
is has qualities that are manifested through this forms that they take and these some animals and as I, I think humans included are able to shift their awareness to understand and feel and experience more of this interconnectedness and I have a feeling that because horses are herd animals and they are so uh, dependent on reading the field around them for their own safety uh, that they have really become masters at at doing this and so in learning to connect with them in their way mm -hmm. in that way um, we experience the same things in ourselves we we, we get to experience the same um, awareness mm -hmm. okay would. does that make sense yeah, yeah. and so I believe this is this is also what you were just talking about this connectivity and this sort of um, I don't even, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to put the words to that, to that sensation. But, you know, this connection between um, the horses and the humans, this is something that you've been researching as part of the research team. Isn't that yes. right? Yeah. yeah. How, how did you become? How did we get? Yeah. So, it's a bit of a, yeah so it's been a long journey. I've, I've been a lifetime horse person. I, I, um, I was born into not a horsey family. Uh, mm -hmm. a non-horsey family but was somehow came wired up to be obsessed with horses and um, I spent the first part of my childhood starting you know very young like nine years old with just kind of turned loose with a horse back in the days when people did that it wouldn't happen nowadays but I hung out with them a lot so I think that in the beginning I started to learn to feel comfortable around the horses by just going slowly and mindfully to be around them, keep myself safe and understand how they worked in, in just being with them, hanging out. So in horse language, that's just sharing space. Mm -hmm. That's relational behavior number one, are my comfortable in your space? And so um, it grew from there and I went on to be a competitive rider and you know did all forms of riding, jumping, showing Western and English and ended up in dressage, uh, focusing there in the classical model, um, really liking the interconnectedness of that and, and mm -hmm. the idea that everything I did when I was riding was going to be for the horse's benefit. Um, so there I stayed, and then uh, eventually I got a horse, I write about this in my book, mm -hmm. uh, that was a, a real teacher. And I, I think I grew up enough that I could listen more. I was more uh, better at listening. So she changed everything for me. And once I started listening to her um, and just being with her and, and listening with curiosity and playing with her, I realized that there was so much more to these animals than mere entertainment and sport. Mm -hmm. So um, that I did go out and get myself a sport horse so I could still ride and, and do that because I do enjoy that part. But she really started communicating with me. and. Um, it just helped me unfold this whole other side of it, of, of how to be connected and how to listen. And when I also started doing that with her, I, magical things sort of started happening. And I know okay. magical sounds kind of scary and people go, oh, that's very woo-woo. But it wasn't to me. It was very practical. I started to realize, oh, you, it's not that I have any special thing going on with me and, uh, or this horse in particular. It's this is what it is. This is how they work. And so I wrote about that in my book. 
is what happened when I finally figured out how to connect with them in this energetic way. Let's call it that. So what's the title of your book? My, the title of my book is In the Field with Horses, Exploring the Horse-Human Connection. Okay. And of course, yeah. uh, a lot of this work did happen in a literal field, but it also meant in the energy field, in, the, in connecting with them in this field of love or interconnection, uh, what happens. So what happened when you first started connecting on this sort of conscious level with your horse, with your teaching horse? Yeah. You said that magical things were happening in your life. So what sort of things happened? Well, it started to be that um, uh, things would happen that, that just were very subtle. Um, one of them, one of the things that, when you, well, it was subtle, but it also wasn't so subtle as I realized, like say you're in, in the arena lunging your horse, going around, you know, uh, I had a lunge line at that time and I was, I was asking her to move around and she was moving. I started to notice that she was changing uh, her gates before I asked. Mm -hmm. So my inclination was to say, oh, no, I didn't ask you to do that. But then I realized when I wasn't so intent on, you know, my task at hand and I started listening in a new way, I realized, oh, she's consistently changing when I start the thought of changing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, could she really be listening to my thoughts? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe she could. Maybe it's possible. So I took the lunge line off. And, I, and this horse was very present that day. You know, she wasn't distracted by wind or other horses or anything. She was really with me, as they say, very connected. And she walked, trot, and cantered, halt, reversed everything, both directions with no lunge line on. And I thought, oh. Okay, so how's that happening? Am I giving her signals? So I started to stand as still as I could. Okay. And I started to be as quiet. Say, oh, she's reading my hand signals or she's reading my... F and then I realized that I was generating the feeling of trot. I would think about trotting and then I could feel like what a trot felt like in myself. It was almost like I was trotting with her. And then I started to consider. So see how my mind is now going in curiosity. I don't really have any scientific answers at this point, but I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh, well, maybe there's some interconnected feeling that she feels through, you know, an electromagnetic field, mm -hmm. which, we, which we know is, is an electromagnetic field that surrounds everything. Everything is it, right after, you know, what looks like a physical body, there's another field of energy, and then maybe she's plugged into that. And I was just playing and experimenting, thinking about it. Well, turns out, you know, flip ahead many years later, and there's a whole scientific research team at the HeartMath Institute here in California that um, studies this electromagnetic field. And they now know that every single heart that beats, every heart organ emanates an electromagnetic field in all directions around its body. Mm -hmm. And it, it's measurable. And they've measured it, you know, six feet out from humans and, or more, depending on how sensitive your equipment is, mm -hmm. the squid machines that they measured this with. So my, my curious, playful thoughts about what was going on between us turned out to be true. So many years later, when now get to 06, 2006, where I'm, you know, I'm here and I'm studying with this, um, doing this work 
And now I'm beginning to think, well, we need some science behind all this. And there were many other stories. That's, they're all in the book, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, the, the, the thing of it is that there is a way to prove. I felt like we're talking about this with people and people are coming now out of the woods and there's all kinds of teachers out there teaching the work. And I was one of them. And uh, we're making claims. And I thought, well, it'd be nice to know if we could prove some of this. And so um, in 06, one of our graduates from our um, Adventures in Awareness program that Barbara Rector and I were teaching at that time, she said, well, what can we do together? And I said, well, I, I'm pretty full up, but we really need research. And if you have time, mm-hmm. why don't you go to the HeartMath Institute and see if they would help us do some research on this? Because mm-hmm. I think there is now technology to measure it. I, re- I was reading in um, the Shift That's- Magazine. So what were you trying to measure? The, um, the electromagnetic field around the holes or the, around the human or when? Well, I, I didn't know. Connecting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. At that point, I didn't really know, but mm-hmm. I knew that they knew about these heart fields. Okay. And I felt like that was a big key to what I was sensing was going on every time these um, extraordinary things would happen with my horse. And I called them telepathic. So, and right. what I meant by telepathic was that when I change my energy to a trot, the horse would trot. She was somehow feeling tele, you know, transporting pathic or, you know, a feeling, transporting a feeling to her. And I thought, well, why not? Of course, they don't have language, these animals. They're, mm-hmm. they're out there. And they're not saying, hey, Joe Bob. There's a mountain lion at two o'clock. You need to run to the left. They just feel things. Right. And anyone who's hung out with them knows that when one of them spooks, it's like an electric shock that goes through you. Yeah. There is a physiological feeling that you get from, from them that makes your adrenaline go immediately and makes you run, makes you want to run. And um, so this, this um, Woman was her name was Dr. Ellen Gerke. She was a professor at uh, a university in Southern California. So she did go to the HeartMath Institute, mm-hmm. and they were very um, thrilled to participate with us. And so together with them, I uh, helped design and, and I funded the initial study where we found out what coherence looked like in horses. And so that's, that is where the beginning of the science that I'm going to talk about today came from, is that once we knew what, that there was a marker, there has to be something you can measure. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe I should switch to that, how that... Well, well what about, you tell us what coherence is first. Yes. This is like kind of the basic, isn't it? Right. To understand right. everything that's coming after that. It is. So there's some... So here's the thing. There are some scientific terminology that we should probably go over so that it helps people mm-hmm. know that so what we're measuring i made earlier i talked about the bigger field that everything's connected to so we can't measure the whole big field but turns out we can measure the effects of the heart field on the nervous system of the body so our nervous system is the the first measurable with today's science mm-hmm. it's the first measurable um, marker that we can we can measure and we can now measure it remotely. So all these things had to come together before we could start knowing these right. things. Right. Right. We had to have the science. We had to have the technology to measure it. 
So we now have all these tools um, and computers and things that can read these algorithms of data and, and put all this together. Um, so the first thing is to know, understand that we're talking about the biofield, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the biofield um, is defined as a massless field, not necessarily electromagnetic, but could include, it would include that, that surrounds and permeates living bodies and it affects the body, mm -hmm. okay? So that's a known thing, and so we're, de we're dealing with the biofield, mm -hmm. and the horses are dealing in the biofield. So then the other thing is to understand is the term heart rate variability. So we're going to measure, we're measuring horses and humans as they interact together. And we're measuring um, quite a few things. Uh, one of them is heart rate variability, which is the natural variation of heart rate as a function of time in the resting state. So if you have high heart rate variability, it's healthy because it means that the sympathetic and the parasympathetic components of your autonomic nervous system are closely interacting with each other so that your heart can, prob um, can adapt promptly to the body's needs second mm -hmm. by second, okay? So meaning that the heart rate goes up and down according to what is happening around them, around you. Okay, so, and that's a great question that you say, because this is where everybody firstly gets a little bit off track. <laughs> okay. Your heart, so the heart rate yeah. can increase. Your heart rate can increase and your heart rate can decrease. But the variability means how smoothly it does that. Okay, okay. Okay, so it's yeah. heart rate variability, meaning the beat-to-beat -beat changes, okay. do they happen smoothly? smoothly? So if you think of it as a, car if your car mm -hmm. is going to accelerate but it's going jerk 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 you know jumpy 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 mm -hmm. and grinding gears and all of that till it gets up and then jerk 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 down or can it go smoothly up and smoothly down mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um the heart rate variability is a symptom of your of your nervous systems your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous systems working in harmony with each other and they should mm -hmm. be able to in a healthy person go up, increase, so you have more heart rate variability as your heart rate increases or decreases. Mm -hmm. It can get smoother and stay smoother in the, okay. you saw on a, on a waveform, you would see mm -hmm. this. So now, um, so the other one is your parasympathetic. So one thing we were measuring is, is it, it'll look on the data, it'll come out as RMSSD or the parasympathetic, which is the, um, it, it's measuring the root mean square of successive differences, meaning that it can be calculated from your heart rate variability data and reflects the activity of this parasympathetic component, component of your automatic nervous system. So if it's high, it means that you are relaxed. So when we're reading our data and we get a high um, RMSSD marker, then that means that we're relaxed. And so I just telling, you won't need to remember all this when we summarize it, but just so mm -hmm. you know, these are all the things that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. So um, now the other thing is that within, so you asked what coherence was. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to read to you the definition that I use when I teach this to people. Mm -hmm. But um, 
basically you can summarize it as the brain comes in service to the heart. So our brain is no longer running the show on its own. <laughs> it, becomes, okay. it, it becomes in service to the heart, which is its real function. Because the heart, turns out the heart field, the electromagnetic field that I told you about earlier, is actually sending a signal many, many times stronger than the brain out into the field. And it is not only reading other heart fields, it's responding to those heart fields and telling organs how to respond to what it's feeling in the field seconds before the brain comes online to name it. So is this also when we have like um, a feeling about something? Yes. Okay. So this, this could is... be, this could be. So every heart organ has a nervous system associated with it. It has a lot of the same things that are, that are in your brain associated with the heart. Mirror neurons and all of these things that are in our bodies are reading these fields all the time. Our brain is the only one that comes online to start making right. associations and give it, map it and give it a name. Right. And, tell, and, and mostly we like to tell stories about it. So then we make up stories. Because, you mean our brain wants yeah, to do Yeah, brain that. wants to right. tell a story. Right. So that gives us the whole, you know, sense of, of, of a life, you know, and our creativity. So, but it's best if it can all work in harmony together. Right. That's when healing takes place. That's when the body is at its best functioning state. So, it's, and you looked at basically what happens, how the heart, um, the heart field of the horse and the heart field of the human would sort of interact with each other? Is this, yes. what, that was part Pretty of much, okay. yes. Okay. That's a good way to simplify it. We were looking at a lot of other markers. We looked right. at saliva testing, which tells you what's going on in the gut because our guts, turns out, are very sensitive. And if we're at all stressed, uh, that will change. The saliva in your mouth will change and you, you can measure that. So we measured a lot of things, but this is what mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about today. So yeah. coherence, a person is said to be coherent when their heart rate goes up and down in time with their breathing like a sine wave mm -hmm. increasing with inhalation and decreasing with exhalation the heart rhythm reflects a balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic components of the autonomic nervous system that is shared with the brain the rest of the body and with other beings through the heart field so this state is accompanied by an enhanced inner and outer awareness, improved memory, cognitions, shifts in perspective, and enhanced emotional regulation. So this is what I was experiencing yeah. when I, you know, over years of hanging out with the horses, started to stumble into this state, right? I would evolve into the state by hanging with them and kind of joining what it felt like to be with them rather than bringing to the barn what was going on in my life at home, frustrations and angers and whatnot. Yeah. And this is, this is something, you know, what I really liked about what you were saying that, um, you know, people, horse people or animal people, they all describe this, you know, that they this do happens very intuitively or this happens to a lot of people or may, maybe most people that yeah. they hang out with horses and they hang out with animals something happens and um as you said the equine assisted learning or you know facilitation programs they're very much based on on this one and i love that you just 
you know, took that question, what happens or how did this happen to yeah. the scientific level? Because it's still a lot, you know, a lot of people in a lot of places just go like, this is how it is, you know, this yeah. is what happens, yeah. and, which is great. But it's also really nice to just look at it. How can we make this conscious? How can we make this a little bit more um, directable? You know, if we know what, what, yes, you know, that's right. This. So, yeah. and over the years, it got so consistent with me. And what I noticed is uh, my subtle awareness bloomed. I became more and more aware of subtlety, what we might call intuition. Yeah. I started to understand, I could, I could started to notice that horses actually send pictures. Yeah. And some more than others. So, I would start, you know, I write about these stories in the book, but, you know, there's all these things that started to happen when I consistently, let's say, went into the field, right? I would go into the field and then I would join like with the horses yeah. and, and all these things would start happening. I'd say, oh, well, that's normal. There's nothing special about me. This is normal. This is, this is what my nervous system was doing and how right. it, I was perceiving it. So that became part of what I taught and what was taught. And then, of course, when people go out into the field of equine-assisted learning and equine-assisted therapies, and there's plenty, lots of different versions of the therapy piece, um, now we have something that we can point to. And now we have some, and I can get into this later, where we describe the actual interactions that we've studied. So be, before I lose my train of thought, though, so yeah. I'm building a little, I'm building a little, um, map here for us mm -hmm. so I can, we can talk about it so that would be coherence right mm -hmm. coherence is when you're in this state you're in an optimal peak performance state and it feels good to be there mm -hmm. so you'll feel calm you can be excited which is interesting this isn't like a meditative state you can be excited and active you can be golfing riding your horse you can be doing things in this state but you're you're what i call in a state of presence so mm -hmm. you're very present and your creativity will come online. You're, you'll be able to have shifts in perspective. If you're finding that you can't have a shift in perspective, you're probably not in a state of coherence. Okay. So that's interesting things to start noticing about yourself. Um, so let's go. So inside that measure, now when we're measuring things inside mm -hmm. of those measurements, there are things, different frequencies in those heart rhythms that we're mm -hmm. measuring. So we're measuring them in the horses and we're measuring them in the humans. And so one of them is the, what we call the very low frequencies. So this is an intrinsic rhythm of the heart, the, the most slowly varying component of the heart rate variability. And horses at rest usually have most of their heart rate variability in the, in the very low range. Mm -hmm. And humans also who show little very low range in their heart of these VLFs, we'll call them the very low range. They may be more prone to inflammation and PTSD and heart disease. And so off they've, so let's flip back now. I'm going a, a little scattered around here, but heart, the heart math Institute has done all kinds of studies in the last umpteen years about measuring, um, people who have heart disease and PTSD mm -hmm. will have a lower volume of the VLFs of the very low frequencies in their mm -hmm. heart rhythms. 
And when they can increase those very low frequencies, they tend their autonomic nervous system seems to come back into balance and their own healing mechanism starts to come back online. So these VLFs or very low frequencies um, and the horses go into this state easily or when they're relaxed or? So, yes. So now let's go back to Dr. Ellen Gerke in our initial study that we right. did with the HeartMath Institute. We actually found out what coherence looks like in horses. Mm -hmm. Until we knew what coherence looked like in horses, we couldn't measure anything or we couldn't know if the horse stayed in a state of coherence or, or anything about the horses until we knew what that looked like. So that was a groundbreaking study. It was really exciting to find out what coherence looked like in horses. And then from there forward till today, even today, now we can use those same markers and we can be measuring the horses and the humans and see how they're interconnecting with each other and when they're actually becoming in phase with one another, mm -hmm. when they're actually having some degree of entrainment and coming in phase with each other energetically, measuring these in this field of energy, you know, this heart bio field that we're measuring. And you found out something that, um, that the horse, you know, people always say, if you go to your horse, you shouldn't be upset and you shouldn't be, you know, feeling worried mm -hmm. or something like that because the horse might get worried too or upset or something like that. And um, so the idea probably was that the horses would kind of mirror or go into the same uh, yeah. state than the, than the humans are. But you found out something different in your, in your research, right? That, yes. that wasn't yes. really the case. Well, in some cases it is, but it's, it's, it's um, what's happening with the horses is that they will, um, if you think of them as prey animals and they're out there eating and one of them in their herd, and if, if you, if you, so I started keeping my horses together in a herd after Diora, the mare I talked about earlier, made it very clear that that's how they preferred to be. Mm -hmm. So I went with that and I started letting them out all the time together. And what I noticed is that they have these, they do stay, they have these energy fields around them. You'll see that the distances that they keep from one another mm -hmm. and how close they stand and how close they don't stand and when they do. I mean, you start watching all this. They are working with these heart, I'm going to call them heart fields. Mm -hmm. um, so they're working with these heart fields all the time. And imagine if one of them sees something that's scary. Right. They don't have language. They never developed the language center we did. They have just kind of all autonomic, you know, all uh, instinctual things that they do. So they, they suddenly one of them is startled or concerned or let's say fearful, right? They are emanating a feeling of fear into the herd, into the collective field. And so all of the horses will then put their head up and look at what they're looking at, you know, say, oh, what is that over there? And then usually the lead horse will say, uh, you know, that's nothing. That's just a turkey. And then he'll, he or she will go back to eating. Right. The others might take a while still to be convinced, but the lead horse sets the tone mm -hmm. and says, you know what? We don't need to run. I'm not running. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat. And they go back to eating. And of course, when they eat, they, they get calm and the calmer they get, the bigger their sensory awareness is because they're more coherent. They're in a, a bigger a state of coherence. That and is so, really interesting 
the horse always wants to go back to coherence. So for the horse to be, um, you know, to, to, to survive, the horse needs to be relaxed or get relaxed again after this, um, mm -hmm. you know, if they have a sort of uh, adrenal, uh, adrenaline um, situation. So actually for having horses, this is quite interesting or it's quite important as well to know this, that um, not to put more stress on the horse, but to decrease the stress so that the, the, the horse can actually stay right. healthy. Yes, yes. And so then we have to look at what causes stress to horses. Right. Being separated. Right, yeah. Which, you know, having the routine changed. We know all this. You know, people who keep horses know that separating them, isolating yeah. them, yeah. Keeping them, keeping their food away from them. They love to eat. When they eat, they get very, very quiet. It's good for them. Their brain releases all the relaxing hormones and the saliva flows and everything's good and the saliva they have is the only um it's an antacid you know they create an enormous amount of acid in their guts and when they make saliva it's it's their antacid so if they can't get the saliva going by eating pretty much all the time then they then we you know we have trouble with ulcers right yeah so that's a whole nother talk but um yeah that that's all part of it so so within the incoherence, there are these different ranges that we're measuring, right? So we looked at the very low frequencies, we looked at the low frequencies, and we looked at the high frequencies. And we're looking at all these parameters inside the heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. so, um, so now, the heart field, which I've been talking about, is, is defined as a dynamic electromagnetic field that's created by the heart as it beats. So the human's field may stretch out to about 10 or 15 feet. Um, and it's all got all these pulsation frequencies inside of it that are encoded in there. And so they kind of define your emotional state can go through that. And that's, right. we all, we all know this, you know, when somebody's grumpy in your household and they yeah. come down in the morning and they're irritable, what happens? We all go, Hey, what's up with you? Yeah. Clean yeah. it up. <laughs> you know, Go back to your room. Did you get up on the wrong side of the bed? You know, we feel these things. So, um, so then what we did was now that we know all these parameters within the horse and the people, we put monitors, we started measuring both together when they did the most popular interactions that people do in the equine assisted uh, learning mm -hmm. and therapy sessions, right? So we measured a version of saying hello called consupermiso. And we did another study um, where we measured people doing a grooming, you know, a mm -hmm. mindful kind of grooming thing. And how, did did, you, how did you say they do the say hello? That was with the, with the hand and sort of... Yeah, sort of a typical getting in with yeah. the horse. Um, Having the horse sniff your hand. Sure. Saying hello, yeah. Yeah, and being mindful of how you come approach the horse. And, right, right. Uh, and the horse usually has some... Um, say in in how they you know whether they can leave or not they, in other words we're not forcing the horse right yeah so um and the grooming sorry i interrupted you there yeah no you i should saying, do it and then the mindful we called it mindful grooming but it's um you know the horse is is tied up and they're comfortable so we're not we both horse and human were in a state of coherence mm -hmm. before we started 
the exercises. So we know that the horses were not stressed mm -hmm. during, during these things. And then we did one where they were in a round pen. There's a lot of people do work in round pens and where we, the human was asked to go in and say hello to the horse. And, and, and there was a process of doing that that you know, take, would take a long time to break down how we did all of these things. But and then they were asked to move the horse a little bit you know, mm -hmm. to go, and then they, the horse comes back. So what we, um, what we started to see was that, uh, well, I want to back up too. So now in some of our studies, all of the studies were done with, with um, 25 participants. Mm -hmm. Each of these studies was done individually. And so we studied 25 people doing each of these studies. And then all the data was read uh, and they were all, the subsequent studies were not done with Ellen Gerke. They were done with um, Dr. Ann Baldwin. So after the initial study of coherence in horses uh, and, and humans together, the first one, then Dr. Ann Baldwin came on the scene. She started heading up our research team and she has been in overseeing all these other studies and they've all gone through the University of Arizona mm -hmm. where she's a, she's a professor there. So um, they, these subsequent studies were done with 25 participants each. And so when we started get, getting, and they weren't people who knew about horses, they were not horse people. They would have represented people who would have come to a program or come in for, mm -hmm. for a therapy session kind of thing. So um, then in, in, in the studies we did where we were doing what we call mindful grooming, all the people were prepared with a heart math technique called heart-centered breathing. And this is something that we are going to experience, right? Yeah. Later on I'm, at the I'm end. Sure because how to do this. because so, we decided that we're not gonna have the normal meditation at the end, but you offered to show us how to do a heart, um, yeah. heart to heart breathing. Well, heart-centered breathing and then heart to heart breathing. Okay, okay. So, yes. And the reason, I wanted to share that is that that is at the end of the studies that we've done, mm -hmm. we have seen some of the, the, well, the most significant connection between horse and human when people do these kinds of breathing things with their horse. So, so what happens between the two then? When you say there's, there's some changes going on when you do so, the heart, heart to heart or yeah, heart to heart breathing with your horse. So what happens is that if you can lower, if you can get yourself in a, in a more of a coherent state mm -hmm. of and state of presence, what happens is that um, it allows your biofield, your your heart field, mm -hmm. within the biofield, to be affected by the horse's heart rhythms. Right. Okay. So basically you need a little um, preparation in a way to be yeah. affected. Yeah. So how do you know that you're in this coherent state? Well, there are many ways of, of well, if you, you can, if you don't yeah. have like a monitor, <laughs> you can buy one from the HeartMath. They have nice right. little portable bio, um, biofeedback tools that you can play with to help mm -hmm. you learn. Well, for me, when I, when I feel like I've made this shift, it, you feel it's pleasant. Mm -hmm. 
you feel uh, present and you feel uh, I start to notice more subtlety starting with mm -hmm. birds and what's going on around me um, you feel less attached to judgments and beliefs mm -hmm. you know they're there we're not getting rid of anything we're just saying okay yes and Mm -hmm. There could be more. So it's a more, I would say it's a more open state, more open. So do you think that the heart kind of opens a little bit? Is this, because sometimes, you know, in, in spirit, spirituality, you often talk about, you know, open your heart, open your heart chakra. Right. Um, maybe this is, this is how I would describe that feeling. Um, Yeah. I don't know exactly whether that's coherent, but I can sort of see myself in what you, you're saying about that. You know, when you're yeah. one with the horse and when you're one with the nature around and you just yeah. be. Yeah. I know it's everybody's going to experience it a little different, but what we're finding in these uh, workshops that we do where people come and they learn to do this work and interact with the horses that they are all having, they are having consistent, experiences of feeling mm -hmm. present and more aware so um one thing that we i so in our in our studies what i'm going to review quickly what we found right and then we can we can start maybe yeah talking going off on more of that conversation but based on our study results so far the most effective way to prepare a participant to engage with the horses uh the horse heart field is to uh teach them a technique the heart-focused breathing. Mm -hmm. So what we saw, because in some of our studies, we didn't do the heart-focused breathing first, and we still saw increases in the VLFs in the humans. Mm -hmm. So overall, what we see is that horses influence humans much more than humans influence right. horses almost all the time. Horses right. will influence humans. There's usually a 20-second delay. Okay. And the horses are primarily raising the VLFs, the very low frequencies in the human's heart field. And that's exciting because it's when the human's VLFs increase that their nervous system starts to heal. Right. It's, it's a big link to, to healing. So to your nervous system starting and being uh, more efficient in its healing process is when there's an increase in the VLFs. Does that make sense? And other yeah. things. Obviously, I'm not saying this is the only thing. We're only looking at this one marker, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking at this one area. So aside from looking at this one area in our studies, we also did uh, self-esteem esteem tests mm -hmm. and saliva tests, all of which increased, all of which indicated uh, positive influences. So uh, we looked at many things, but the, the most physiological um, measurable thing that we did was this seeing this increase in the VLFs and the very low frequencies. So as um, that is, it was the most important thing where we saw this heart, heart centered breathing started. So preparing everybody went in coherent before they started. Now, whether they stayed in a state of coherence mm -hmm. once they mm -hmm. got next to the horse didn't seem to matter because their very low frequencies still increased. And that meant and that the meant, well being increased and the healing yep. started. Yeah, it helped. In other words, it's having a positive effect on the healing in creating a healing um, 
it's having a positive effect in creating a healing environment for the human. So it doesn't mean that the horse is healing you, right? You know, we, right. we're not going to go to say, oh, the horse is healing me. But right. we can say that if you go and you mindfully connect and you're in the presence of a horse's heart field and nature, let's say, let's also mm -hmm. say that this is including all of nature because they're outdoors and we all know that's good for you. It's having a positive measurable effect on helping the human's bio suit create a healing environment. It's a, it's, it, it's more of a positive healing environment. Well, this was exciting to us because look at all the positive effects we're right. seeing with children with autism and horses and mm -hmm. vets who come back from war with PTSD and all of these people who are having wonderful um, progress in finding stasis again when they're working with horses in these programs. And now because of this research, we can actually tell you some of, um, well, all of the, not only how to prepare a person mm -hmm. to do these, in, that will increase this. We're not saying it won't happen without these preparations, but we saw an increase with these preparations, mm -hmm. with the heart-centered breathing. Do you want to just say a few words or a few sentences on this preparation? this heart-to-heart -heart, uh, breathing exercise that you're going to take us through a little bit later, what, what is it, this preparation that you did with the uh, participants? It's, it's very, very simple. <laughs> and it does take practice. So I would, I would like to suggest that people get the, and I'm sure you've, many people have done this kind of breathing before. But when you um, understand that it's, it's largely the intentionality Right, okay. In, in the breathing. So it's right. very important that your intention be set, that your intention is mm -hmm. to, to uh, relax the breathing. And it doesn't even so much matter if the breathing is slowed down, it's relax the breathing. Right. So, and I'm going to talk a little bit about brainwaves because um, also because of technology, we've been able to measure horses' brainwave states now. Mm -hmm. And we know that horses run, okay, so in the brainwave frequencies, the horses are primarily in an alpha, they have much higher volume of alpha and theta and delta than mm -hmm. we do. And we run a lot of beta, think of them as radio channels. I like mm -hmm. to think of them as like when we're turning the dial on our radio, um, which actually I know a lot of young people never did that. So maybe they <laughs> yes. wouldn't even get that. What that meant. Yes. But we turned it, we turned it to 98 point something or 101. And, you know, we listened to our different yes. channels that way. Well, the brain, think of your brain that way, that when you're running beta, which I'm right now talking, mm -hmm. I am, I am really probably on the mega beta channel. You know, I've got a lot of beta running. It's because that's what we use to drive our cars and to right. talk and to, you know, we're yapping with our mouths all the time. And that, that's kind of what that frequency feels like and is. Mm -hmm. And we're very familiar with that humans. We pretty much hang out there a lot, don't mm -hmm. we, when we're awake? Yeah. But that's not where horses are. They're not there. They're on the alpha theta channel. Mm -hmm. So when I work with people, I try to give them a sense of the difference in those states at how it's going to appear or occur to you in your brain. So theta, if you were listening to it in music, which I, I use music a lot as well mm -hmm. to help, um, it wouldn't have a melody. 
there's no story in it. It's just an interconnectedness. It's just a, a connection sound, like a background. Mm -hmm. So right now, as we're all sitting here and in being and listening, there's an interconnected hum of something there. Mm -hmm. Let's call it the field, right? Mm -hmm. It's always there. That when our awareness goes to that, we're kind of dialing into the theta channel. Is this yeah. also when you do meditation that you can go into this, uh, into this sure. field, into this frequency? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. For humans, it's all about turning off the beta. I think dialing right. it down, right? Getting, okay. getting the brain chatter to, to quiet. Right. And then also what happens is then alpha comes on. Now alpha is a state that you can drive your car in, you can do things in it's, but it's much slower mm -hmm. in, in its rhythm. And it might have a melody involved in it, a story, but it's, it's, you're not as attached. Mm -hmm. not, it's not as narrowly focused. It's a broader focus. Mm -hmm. So, what I find interesting about it after playing with it all this time is that you can be focused and broadly aware at the same time. Right? This is basically when you're riding horses and when you're working with horses, you know, sure. that this happens or need to happen. Absolutely. You still need to be aware what the horse is doing mm -hmm. and what's going on around you. Right, right. Everything. Yeah. And that's how they go. Again, makes total sense if you're a prey animal yeah. and your only defense is basically to run away. You, you want to avoid something getting close enough that you have to fight it. Right. Right. So, um, so where was I going? So with that, that's kind of the, how the brain goes in. So these breathing techniques, mm -hmm. what, what, you know, and this isn't new to us, but breathing is the, easiest way and i think one of the quickest or maybe the quickest way of helping us shift mm -hmm. our brain states to use your breath so that's what the heart focused breathing will start with to do it, it'll help you shift and then you can use your intentionality okay. once you make that shift to connect with the horse or a dog or another person so i'm kind of i'm really excited now to mm -hmm. try this out would you okay. like to um, yes. take us through this? You know, you said you, you, you need to do like a little preparation and then we can do a heart-to-heart -heart with an animal breathing. Sure. And, but before we do that, can I, I just wanted to say one last thing about our sure. studies. We did notice they were very big uh, shifts. So everybody, we saw the most what you'd call connection between mm -hmm. the horse and the human where they actually came in, exact, in phase with each other. Right, literally okay. in phase with each other, which is incredible when you think about. We actually saw them interconnected and, and resonating with each other in phase. Um, when people go mindfully in this heart to heart breathing, heart centered mm -hmm. breathing, and then heart to heart with the horse, and when we were companion walking with the horse. Right, okay. However, there's a caveat. If people don't already know, how to companion walk, the best way for people to connect with the horses is to actually not do interactive activities where you put right. them in a round ring and say, let's move the horse around or let's okay. ask anything of the horse. Sharing space with the horse, mm -hmm. doing a mindful grooming, connecting energetically with your hands, 
is enough to get these connections. That's enough right there. You see these increases in the VLS. When you start interacting with the horse and asking the horse to do something, the, the human needs to have more preparation and more practice. Or that what happens is that they, they can get just, uh, they don't stay in a state of coherence and openness. They get task-oriented. So think of it as right, right. you get task-oriented. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it in terms of your brain. If you're getting task-oriented, then you're, you're slipping out. Right, of right. It's, yeah. You know, I find it so interesting because um, a lot of these uh, equine educational places and, and therapy places have been using this, this companion walk and have been using these, these methods mm -hmm. um, for quite a long time. Yes. And I feel like without, you know, they knew that it was, it was working. And, you know, people use horses as a creativity kind of um, tool mm -hmm. is not the right word, but to enhance the creativity, you know, like uh, writing with horses and um, doing. Yeah. So this, this also comes yeah. into that. Yes, absolutely it does. It, it definitely shows why people enjoy it and why it works. So what really what, what the takeaway, one of the takeaways needs to be that uh, we need to do good preparation in terms right. of connection, getting the human open. I like to call it hollow and empty inside mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. open. And then um, to understand that the horse needs a state of coherence in order to trust and to, be, uh, to feel like they want to connect and stay connected. So when you slip out of coherence, that's not a attractive to them anymore. And when you're not present and when you're because not. Because that might worry them a little bit if they don't know what your intention is. Well, my theory on it is okay. that's how they identify a leader. That's what they call okay. leadership. Okay. This, a coherent energetic field is something they trust. And it makes sense because that means yeah. that your awareness is broad. Right. And you're, you're better you're better prepared. Yes. Yeah. And you so when you're not in that intuition yeah. and yeah, yeah. And the other thing that I've seen in my practice is that when you put horses in a round pen, mm -hmm. the size of the round pen already puts you inside of their personal energetic right. field. Right. Their field, their first field is about 40 feet away from their body. Yeah. Where they first perceive you. And then the second one is about five feet out from their body where, right. where you would be companion walking inside of that. So when you put a stranger in a round pen with a horse and then they right. start putting energy on that field, interjecting energy into that field, asking it to move, you really will not know unless you have a monitor on that horse, heart rate variability monitor, and you understand how to read the data, which most people don't have access to all that. The horses are having pressure put on them. Right. So they're right. so they're going to respond to that pressure to try to relieve the pressure so that they can get back to a state of coherence. So we did not see the horses mm -hmm. stay in a coherent that's the only time we don't see them stay in a coherent state is when strangers get you know, people get in a round right. pen with them and put right. pressure on them to move. Yeah. The exercises I find are best done in a bigger arena mm -hmm. where the horse is at liberty. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't matter if there's a halter on the horse, turns out. Horse doesn't care as long as they're feeling the, the energy of a companion walk. 
To them, the halter is irrelevant at that point. But if the halter is on the horse and the person's hauling the horse around with a rope, mm -hmm. that's not it. The horse is wanting to leave. You see? Okay. So if, if they're on a rope, then they want to leave. No. So if you've got a halter on the horse, right. but the person is just pulling the horse along with the rope right. or using right. the rope to, to chase the horse along to make them stay with them, the horse will comply. A horse will always right, want right, to comply right. because when they can finally come find a peaceful place, then they, they know that they're in a better state of perception, right? Their perception is better. So that's their nature. You can mm -hmm. count on that. But if you want to work with horses in a way that helps people find what it feels like to be in that field, mm -hmm. I suggest you take off the halter if you can be safe, if you understand how to yeah, do yeah. it safely. So that they know, because the minute the horse leaves them, if you interview them, you'll find that usually they started thinking about what they were going to have for dinner, or they left. They left. The human left. Mm. Energetically, they slipped right. away, or they got afraid, or they lost focus. That's the whole meat of it right there. Now, how do you get back? That's the resilience training. How do you get back? Right. Into the coherence yes. state. Yeah. Yes. And when you do, you'll find that most of the time, all it takes is another little invitation or the horse will just come back. Right. The horse will come back to you. But if you don't give the horse the option of leaving you, you, yeah. you sometimes people miss that. They miss that one little piece. And, then, and if you're not clear on how to do that, then I would suggest not even doing the companion walking. I would just do mindful grooming kind of things and right. being with your right. space. Still very effective. Very effective. So basically, um, you can be in the vicinity of horses and they can help you um, raise your very low frequencies. Mm -hmm. Am I saying this right? So yes, to, BLFs. Yes. <laughs> to help your, your, your body get into a healing modus, uh, getting yes. into a healing um, situation. So that means for everybody that if you're in the vicinity of horses or maybe you have you know access to horses so you can do the mind mindfulness uh the mindful grooming or you can doing this walking that can help you heal yes it can help your physiology shift towards a more healing state and the body wants to be in balance and the body yes. wants to go back into uh, a balanced and healthy Everybody um, does. Yeah. 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 We get that for free. All of us. Body wants we, to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant we get this for free because we have horses. <laughs> well, maybe we do, you and I. <laughs> it's actually not free, is it? We have a lot. No, to, no. Yeah. that's true. That's But true. no, it's true. With, the, with everybody's body wants to go back to stasis and healing and, and um, work in its optimal place. I think it's, You know, it's so fascinating. I'm so happy that you've been sharing and then you came on here today to share what you found out because it, it's actually a little bit mind-blowing. You know, I've, this whole hour, I've been trying to kind of understand everything. Um, it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And still, there's so many aspects of it. And I know that you've only told us like a little bit and a little sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. little tiny uh, piece of it. Um, But I think it's, it's great to kind of um, start having the science 
backing up what we all experience and what we feel and yeah. also adding to it and saying what can we do to enhance now coming back to the breathing <laughs> enhance yes. this this experience and this interaction so um mm -hmm. yeah that's true and there's there's one other thing i think i should mention if we have time yeah. about yeah, sure so there there are um on our research team uh group there's there's been uh, barbara rector is in ann alden linda kohana uh, myself and um ann baldwin of course head of our team there's been another uh, study been going on in tucson arizona uh, barbara rector has uh, put together a program for an assisted living community mm -hmm. where they have people with uh, varying degrees of um, dementia and other things that they go into this it's a beautiful beautiful facility incredible place and they have a stable there and they bring the people to the horses horses come in That's and nice. um, yeah now the study is still going on but so far in the study what they're beginning to see consistently is that the horses are we are having a regulating effect on the people so that means the people when they're being they're both horse and human are monitored all the time on these parameters that I've described here. What they're seeing is that people whose nervous systems are really high and mm -hmm. they have a hard time focusing, the same horse will go to that person and their nervous system will come down mm. back into balance, closer to balance, right? And the person whose nervous system is dull and kind of like think of it as sluggish, they come up. So we're seeing the horses right. have a very regulating effect. Right. It'll be the same horse, two different people, and it's causing regulation in both right. of their nervous systems. That is Isn't that amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So very exciting and more, more to be revealed. Yeah. I, you know, I'm looking forward to, to hearing more about this uh, research as, as you're doing it and, and um, you know, as yeah. you're getting more and more insights. Um, and they all start with heart-centered breathing now. Right. So <laughs> That's the cue going so. over. Um, what I need to say is um, we're sort of closing down the interview at this point because if anybody is driving or, you know, doing something that they need uh, their attention, do not follow this, this breathing exercise. Just um, come back to this point later and do the breathing exercise when you're in a safe environment when you can relax and um, maybe be at home so yeah. thank you so much for this beautiful talk Lisa Walters um, I hope it's helpful for people it, I think it's so interesting and I think I hope that more people will get into this um, you know that they get interested in not only that it works but also why does it work and how can we use this you know, mm -hmm. like, I think it's wonderful to see that, you know, horses move into this assistant living space. How can we um, connect with the horses and help us in our life? So, yes, they can enhance a lot. Yeah, they can. And, and uh, we're finding out how to best do that. But so the whole thing. Right. What do, do we have breathing? to do? Yes. <laughs> well, first of all, you have to start by acknowledging that you're going to be curious and allow and loosen your grip on what you think you know and be willing to sit down and have an adventure and awareness and explore and keep that spirit going even when you go out and you don't think it's working just go back to that and then 
add the heart-centered breathing. So it's very simple. If you sit down and you just imagine that your heart has a giant field around all around your body, 10 or 15 feet out, it's a big bubble. And each time your heart beats, it sends a signal out into that field. And so it hel it's helpful sometimes to even put your hand on your heart and start breathing in towards your heart, in and out through your heart. And we're going to breathe in to the count of five and out to the count of five. And the more you breathe, just allow yourself to relax. It's about relaxing your breathing and allowing it to just come in and go out. And if you can't do five, start with four. And just know that the more you relax, the more you can go. So let's start. We'll breathe in. Two, three, four, five. And out. Two, three, four, five. And in. Two, three, four, five. And out. Two, three, four, five. And in. And you just continue like this. In and out. And just relax your breathing. And you can see that it's hard to do when you're talking. And then once you do this, and you just, you have to play with it, you'll start to feel like you've just softly landed on the ground. And for me, when I know I'm getting there, I'm not in a hurry to take the next breath. I can just take the next breath when I feel like I need the next breath. So the more you play with this, the more you'll learn how it works for yourself. And then once you get in to a quieter state, you use your intention to imagine that you're breathing into the heart field of a horse or a dog or even another person. And you breathe in with appreciation gratitude and gratitude towards the other and breathe out gratitude and appreciation and just connect and if your brain is telling you that this is all make-believe just tell it, maybe, but it's still fun. And keep going.
feel about right. You feel a little shift. So it really, it's, a, it's just such a simple technique. But it needs to, it, you just have to pl play with it and practice. It feels so nice. I don't know why my dog didn't, didn't you know, he, he, maybe it was too much for him. He needed to go outside. So he started. Well, he, I could, I can see your dog through the interview here. Yeah. Because we, we're watching each other. We're talking with the video. But when we started the heart-centered breathing is when he woke up. That so means... just, start, just start noticing things. Right. It doesn't right. mean anything. Our right. brain wants to make it mean something. Right. But it's just nice to notice. Just start noticing. Never mind what it means. It just start noticing new things coincidences th things that happen coincidentally do you know what i have to say this is so simple but it felt so good yeah i actually felt like wanting to stay in this so um, mm -hmm. thank you thank you so much this was yeah. so lovely and um i feel this this breathing technique is something i want to you know as you said play with it and i want to do it again and try it it's it's really wonderful. It's just heart-centered breathing and then heart-to-heart. -heart. It's so simple and very it's nice. very profound. Yes, it really works. So thank you, Miriam, for setting up a situation for all this to happen and all this knowledge to be shared with others. And hopefully it's useful and people can start playing with it and coming up with new discoveries. There's more will be revealed. And I hope you will come back and tell us more about what you've uh, been yeah. involved in, uh, what kind of yeah. research and your findings. So, oh, I would love to. And I, I think what our goal is our, with our team is um, we would like to see, um, we would like to see horses become uh, prescribed, nice as part of healing programs, right? For for all kinds of things. And I so, think this kind of data is going to help insurance companies and doctors understand when it's appropriate to bring people to horses and that for what is, that is wonderful this is mm -hmm. such a nice uh, goal so thank you so much for that for today thank you to the You're animals welcome. um thank you to opalo that was a yeah. lovely message beautiful and, um, thank you lisa so um i hope everybody will be coming back for some more in the next uh, animal wisdom study uh, studies uh, stories so yeah. thank you bye bye bye